Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 139. Today, I want to speak to you about where we are in America, November the 12th, 2020. We are faced with a dilemma. As children of God, we are going to choose as to how we are going to respond, whether our side wins or the other side wins, whatever side you're on. I can tell you, I am for anyone who will stand for truth and Judeo-Christian values. In this election, there is no doubt as to who that is from a presidential standpoint. The platform of the Republican Party is a platform that lines up hand in hand with the Judeo-Christian values of the Bible. And I am so grateful to God for what we have been able to experience in our country over the last three to four years. But I want to speak to you about whether that continues or whether we are going to have a new president, perhaps a new Senate, perhaps a new direction in our country. And I want to speak to you as to how we, you and I, are to act, because as I look around I see those of us who name the name of Christ acting in a fashion no different than the rest of the world. You see, we are not going to be able to control what happens. God is, but you and I are responsible to him for how we react, how we act, how we behave, how we respond. That ball is in our court, and the Bible is clear in what we are to do. I want to call your attention to just a couple of passages in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, in the prophets and in the writings. First of all, in the prophets with the prophet Jeremiah, you know the situation. The Babylonian captivity was in direct response to a nation who had forgotten God. And God had warned them over and over and over again that he is a holy and righteous God, merciful, yes, loving, yes, gracious, yes. But God is just, and the people would not respond to the call of the prophets, and so God decimated the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Israel and the wonderful capital of Jerusalem was taken captive. And in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, wicked as he was, came in and took away all of the blue bloods and all of what we would call the cream of the crop. Daniel, his three friends, Azariah, Hananiah, Mishael, and they were carried to Babylon. They were indoctrinated in the culture and ways of an ungodly nation. They were castrated so they could never have a legacy and never father children. And yet we see them being faithful to God. And 
In 597, Nebuchadnezzar came back as he promised he would do if there was rebellion and an uprising. And this time he took away almost all of the people. The common people were taken to the Mesopotamia Valley between the rivers of the Euphrates and the Tigris River on a man-made canal, a river called Kibar. And there Ezekiel spoke to the common people on behalf of God. But back in Jerusalem, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet who had warned of these days coming, wrote an unusual letter to the people in captivity. It was a letter that you would not expect for this man of God to write. But let me just call your attention to it in Jeremiah chapter 29. And you can read all about the salutation and to who that he is writing to. And he says to them, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit. This is Jeremiah 29, 5. He said, take wives and beget sons and daughters. And he told them to marry. And then he said in verse 7, so important, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray for the Lord for it. That is, pray to the Lord for it. For what? For the city, for the rulers, for those that you are under their authority, for in its peace you will have peace. If you've never underlined, highlighted, or circled that verse, do it. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. And he goes on to say, of course, in that very famous two verses that is often quoted many times out of context, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Isn't it amazing? God just tells us over and over again, I haven't forgotten about you. Even in my judgment and my wrath, I have remembered mercy. And of course, who could forget Daniel's words when he spoke to Nebuchadnezzar and says, God is the one that removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. That's Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21. And often because I preach so much out of the Tanakh, out of the law, the prophets and the writings, what we call the Old Testament, people will say to me, why do you preach so much out of the Old Testament? And why don't you preach out of the New Testament? Why do you have to continue to go back and preach all of that and teach all of that? Well, simply because it's the pattern of Jesus. You see, it's the only Bible Jesus had. Jesus didn't preach 90% out of the Tanakh. He preached 100% out of it. So did Peter and James and John and the Apostle Paul. You see, it's the only Bible they had, and they turned the world upside down with it. Why? Because They put into practice the truths that were in it, and they trusted in the God of the Bible, who is not just the God of the New Testament. He's the God of the Old Testament. But if you want New Testament scriptures, let me encourage you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and think about this. Now, as you're turning there, remember that what we just read was for the people there to pray 
in a time when an ungodly ruler was in control. Nebuchadnezzar was a bad man. He was a wicked man. But God got his attention. God knows who these people are, and they're all on a leash. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar, he looked out over those hanging gardens of Babylon, and he said, look what all I have done. Now, let me tell you, he hadn't done anything that God hadn't allowed him to do, and God had to get his attention, remember, with his pride, and he literally put him out to pasture, no pun intended, but he was out eating grass like an oxen. And so God knows what's going on. Everything's not out of control in the United States of America. And we as believers and followers of Jesus don't need to act like the rest of the world and talk like the rest of the world and be ugly and unkind. You say, well, that's the way it's done. No, it's not. That's the way the world does things. We don't give an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We are not in the business of giving to people what they give to us. That's not the way of Jesus. And the Bible says there's a way to deal with this. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, now remember, 1 Timothy was written about 63 A.D. 63 A.D. You know who was in charge at that time? You know who the emperor of Rome was in 63 A.D.? It was one of the craziest men who ever ruled Rome. And I'll tell you, that's saying a mouthful because there were a lot of lunatics that ruled Rome. And the emperor that ruled Rome in 63 A.D was Nero, none other than Nero, N-E-R-O, the one that tried to stamp out Christianity and blame the Christians for burning Rome. Yes, this is what Paul says to Timothy about that era and that age. He said, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Paul said, remember, we need to pray and seek the face of God because God is the only one that has the answers. I hope you spent more time praying. I hope I have, when it's all said and done, have spent more time talking to God than others about the situation in Washington and in the states of America. You know why? Because the other people we talk to are not going to be able to fix this thing. Only God can. And if we'll spend more time talking to God... We'll be less fretful. We'll be less anxious. We will be less worrisome. We will be less cantankerous. We'll be easier to live with because God will grant us peace. And so he says... You need to pray about these things. And he gives all kinds of words, supplications. It's heartfelt, urgent prayers. Prayer, the word that is translated prayers there, is the general word for prayer. Intercessions, that means pray for God's will to be done and for divine intervention. That's like someone standing between heaven and earth and saying, God, I want to pull these two together. I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says, I want you to pray for kings, Verse 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, for kings, and that's the emperor, that's the rulers, that's those who are at the top of the ladder. For kings and all who are in authority. The word authority there is not the normal word for authority. It's not exousia as an authority or power or powerful as dunamis. No, this is the word for authority as in the picture is here. The word picture is of a flat place, like a flat piece of ground and then a hill rising up. It's the word for someone who is in prominence. It's the word for someone who has a high place. You see, we need to concentrate here on not just praying for the presidential outcome. We need to pray for those in the Senate and the House. But 
we don't need to stop with our national government. Why? Because we live in a constitutional republic, and the governors of the states have great power. We need to pray for them that God would give them strength. God would give them boldness. We need to pray for the judges, and we need to pray for those who are in the state houses, in the Senate, in the states, and for the county councils and city councils and for the school boards and for the mayors and the executives of the counties and cities and municipalities. Why? Because all politics, all of the polis is local. And so what you and I need to realize is that there are many layers that God has put of protection in our particular form of government, and we need to pray for everyone who is in control. Those of you who are living in various states, who are controlling those states? Who's controlling the National Guard? Unless martial law is declared, it is going to be the governor. So what I'm saying to you is the governor is then going to turn around probably and delegate something to the mayors and the county executives and the heads of the municipalities, the county and city councils. And so we need to not forget, we need to pray for those people as well. Why? Because they are the prominent people that God says you need to pray for. And we need to pray and be aware that those elections are just as important in many ways as the president. Yes, the president has great power to set the direction of a country, but all of that is implemented and executed on local and state levels. And we need to pray for these people. They are important that they stand for righteousness and truth. And what do you and I need to do? We need to live godly lives. We need to live pure lives. We don't need to talk like the rest of the world. We don't need to act like the rest of the world. We need to do what we can. And we need to follow the laws of the land as long as they do not contradict the laws of God. Now, they may be uncomfortable for you. You may not like them. But God says, obey the laws of the land, if indeed they are law. Now, that doesn't mean one preference over another, but if it is a law, we need to obey it. And we need to do that with a glad heart, not gritting our teeth. That's only going to cause us problems because, you see, God really is in control, and you and I can trust him. Can you trust God? Then talk to him and ask him to calm your heart and calm your family. And parents, let me say a word to you especially. You know, I am a father and I'm a grandfather, and I have pastored now thousands upon thousands of people. And I want to say to you, if the parents are upset, the kids are upset. If the parents are calm, the kids are calm. If the parents are at peace in the midst of a storm, you see, those children are looking to you because many times you're the only God they're going to see until they come to know him personally. Those small children are looking at you and they don't know why you're upset and why you're kicking and screaming and acting like a child. Grow up, mature. God's put us here and we're not going anywhere until God says we're going. So let's trust in him. Let's be bold. Let's stand for truth. Let's be godly. Let's not react like the rest of the world. So what if Joe Biden wins? What are we going to do? We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be faithful. We're going to pray for that man. We're going to pray that God will change his heart, that God will change his direction. You say, oh, but what about Kamala Harris? They're just using him as a pawn. Well, don't you know that God knows what's going to happen before it does? And what we need to do is we need to pray and ask God to 
to change her heart. Do you think God can't get her attention? Why, of course he can. God can do whatever he chooses to do. Don't try to put God in a box. You try to put God in a box, he'll jump out of that box because, you see, he makes the boxes. And so what you and I need to do is just cool our jets, settle down, trust the Lord, and realize that God's given us a wonderful life. And if we have to pay more taxes, we pay more taxes. If we have to do something that's uncomfortable, we do something that's uncomfortable. But we're not going to compromise the Word of God. And we're going to continue to fight for righteousness. But we need to stop fighting one another, and we need to stop doing what the rest of the world is doing. And those who are followers of Jesus, let's stand up and be counted but let's do it in a way that honors God in every way. I pray this is an encouragement for you and to you. And you say, well, what about President Trump? Let's pray for that man. He's been under attack for four years, five years. And let's pray that God would encourage his heart and protect him, protect his family, because they have paid a great price for this country. I'm so grateful to God for Donald Trump. And I unapologetically support him and stand with him. And I pray that he prevails. But if he doesn't, I'm going to go right on trusting the Lord. My hope is going to be in Him. My trust is going to be in Him. And I pray that that's your heart as well. Whether Biden wins, whether Trump wins, God wins. And we win too if we're walking with Him. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.